Everybody, none of this really matters. Episode thirty-four, and today uh, we're gonna talk about the writings of Charlie Kaufman. I don't know when we're gonna gonna get there, but this week I just want to start off with Martin Scorsese because, as you can see on my letterbox, that is all I watched all week. I it's like earliest fuck in the morning, like six thirty or seven, and I'm just like I'm gonna throw on a movie. And it's, I was just like, I started off with Goodfellas because I was like, I haven't seen it in like a year, maybe. I was just like, I, I just felt in the mood to watch it. And so I put on Goodfellas and I was like, oh, fuck. This, like, I shouldn't have done this because I, the next day I watched The Irishman. And then my brother came in the room and he was like, hey, what are you watching? Oh, The Irishman. And we were, I was like 45 minutes, an hour in. And then he sat down, and then uh, I think like an hour later, we uh, paused it because I, I think there was something going on uh, in the other room or whatever. And then my brother was like, we have a whole hour and a half left in the movie. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, because he missed the beginning. Like, if you've seen The Irishman, the first 45 minutes is the entire foundation of the movie. Like, you understand everybody's character or whatever. Like, they introduce a lot of people. And then, but he came in at like maybe the 50 minute mark and then continued on. And then we finished it and he was even missing the first hour. He was like, holy shit. Cause I don't think he's ever seen it before, but he was like, oh my God, that was good. Because that's the second time I've seen it. And we were both like, oh shit. Like it's crazy fucking good. Honestly, it, cause it came out in 2019 and it got nominated for an Oscar. Parasite obviously won every Oscar surprisingly and took everything from everybody but i i was going for once upon a time in hollywood that year but after watching the irishman again i'm like maybe the irishman it definitely had a shot the irishman definitely had a shot for best picture but um yeah i watched the irishman then i watched silence which that movie that's the one i said rob would fucking not even bother to watch ever this Charlie Kaufman one. Okay, okay, let's. This was a rough one. Boy. <laughs> oh, hold on. All right, so the so Silence has Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, and uh, what's it? Uh, Liam Neeson. And I feel like after watching it, I was like, this is kind of like Apocalypse Now, in a way, because Apocalypse Now is about a soldier who's go. He was given a mission to where he has to go kill a person, but this one is where two uh jesuit priests have to go save uh a, another priest and i was just it's like their whole journey and everything and there's just a like you see that liam neeson's character is completely it's so good because he like completely lost faith oh 17th century japan was no fucking joke where they been yeah they banned catholicism the beginning that i'm not gonna lie that whole area started the reason why they got nuked that shit right mm. there so and they were like and it takes place in nagasaki yeah, too yeah yeah and so they were um uh liam neeson there's a part where he is like he just you can just tell he's so far gone you know and he was just like you want me to you want me to pray for all these people in return for what 
Like, what am I going to get out of it? Like, you can tell he is just fucked up in this movie. And it's, I was like, it's some very fucking, makes you, very existential, makes you think about just, I don't know, just faith, you know? It, it's crazy. And then after that, I watched Casino, which is another great fucking, uh, another Scorsese. I feel like people always like the idea of Casino, like as a movie, but like when it comes to the actual movie, it's not as like celebrated as like Goodfellas, I or, think, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, true. Then uh, files love that movie. Mm-hmm. I've heard every cinephile that I've listened to, or, or people who just enjoy movies in general, you don't have to be a cinephile, they talk about Casino. Because mm-hmm. Casino, I, in my review, I just said, uh, my that's my favorite cinematography in a Scorsese movie, is definitely Casino. Because Robert Richardson actually did it, and he's known for working with, I want to say, all of Tarantino's movies. I, I don't think there's another one, which I did listen to this interview with Robert Richardson where he almost did, uh, or he almost didn't do Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time or not, uh, Kill Bill, because Robert Richardson did Kill Bill. And uh, it was almost Guillermo Navarro, which is the cinematographer for Guillermo del Toro. He did, I think, almost yeah. Guillermo del Toro's movies. So it was like D. He was like uh, GDT and then GDD. It was just a first name. Yeah. Guillermo freaking uh, William. If you're white, that's what that stands for. Yeah, in, in English. Yeah. I hate when y'all translate stuff to English. It takes away the luster of their name. Guillermo. Like Eugene sounds way better in Spanish, Eugenio. <laughs> or um, Miguel. Miguel, Michael. <laughs> or Juan, John. But then there is Michael. Yeah, but. Or Jose. It's just fucking Joseph. <laughs> Boo. Um, what else? What? Okay. Uh, Casino, I watched Robert Richardson. And also with Goodfellas and uh, Casino, I know for a fact that's Saul Bass, which is the greatest graphic designer to ever live that does. He does all the credits for people. He does posters. A lot of, He's known for his posters, but his opening credits that he does, like the title shots and shit, are amazing in Casino. And, and Goodfellas, is, that's very well known. Like, you know, like the sliding... It says, like, Goodfellas, and it swipes, and then Martin Scorsese. And so I think that's pretty cool, but I'm a really big fan of the Casino opening credits. And then today, because I watched Casino this morning, and then today my dad put on, he played some movie I forgot on Amazon Prime. And then he gave me the remote, because I don't think he really wanted to watch it. I think he just wanted to put something on. So he gave me the remote, and I was like, HBO Max. I was just like, for some reason, The, the Departed is calling my name so <laughs> so i was well, like yeah so i was like let's put on the departed i'm thinking we're gonna watch the first couple scenes right. get these quotes off real quick right. and then fucking we'll bounce go record but i put it on everybody in the room was like we're all watching the departed yeah. Yeah. and it was so dope like me menda and mom and dad mm-hmm. we all watched the departed and fucking the Jack Nicholson quotes in that in that movie are A1. Marky Mark. Marky Mark. Fucking even Leo. Mm-hmm. 
the everybody killed it. And what I love, what I was thinking when we were watching it, I was like, this is uh, even the dude who's the dude that does Blackish, the big. Oh, Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson. Even he's in it. And I can tell that every single person, Jack Nicholson, fucking Mark Wahlberg, everybody in it is like, this is a Martin Scorsese movie, so I'm going to just go for it. I'm just going to go all out with this crime thriller fucking whatever. And I'm like, I can tell even Anthony Anderson is like, when he's like, put the fucking gun down, whatever. whatever." I was like, he's really like in a Scorsese movie. That's why he has his own TV show now. He's a fucking man. seven seasons of an ABC. (laughs) Say that at, say that at. (laughs) Fucking Transformers. Oh, Barbershop. Oh, what? Shout out Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, for real. I love her. That show is wonderful. My kids love that show. Um, but, um, the Departed, great fucking, so great fucking movie. Me and Menda were on the way here. It we really were, is a good movie. We were talking about fucking, even like just the psyche of Leo. Uh-huh. We were like, he was just going crazy in that movie. Like he, he confuses you the whole movie. You're like, wait a minute, what were you first, a, a thug or a cop? I don't know mm-hmm. which one is happening. Like, which one were you? Yeah, he fucking Jack Nicholson, a great fucking bad guy, and I love and a his. Snitch. His, I love his whole, like, you end up finding out he's, like, an FBI, infor- spoiler, <laughs> FBI informant, but, like, even the shit before, like, the little, his little, uh, what do you call it, like, niche things that he would do, like, the little antics and the little fucking facial expression, every single little thing would be, like, damn, like, it really character-defining. And, and like when he asks the guy, he's like, "How's your mother?" And he's yeah. like, "Oh, she's on her way out." And he's like, "We all are. Act accordingly." Mm-hmm. That's like, I don't know. There's something about the little shit he says where I'm just like, "Damn, that's a mentality." You know what I mean? Lots of bars. A lot of just a lot of a little shit. And even when he's talking to fucking the Chinese mob, and he was just like, he's really making a point. He's being like slightly racist, but he's just like, no ticky, no laundry. Like, if you don't have the shit that I'm looking for, then we're not going to do business. Like, the way, or if you don't want to do it my way, this shit's not going to happen, kind of thing. And I'm just like, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of here in this country. Yeah, <laughs> he was very, he was from, but it was, it was, it was very, very true, true to Boston. Yeah, people say it all the time that Boston is racist. And my favorite line. This is America. If you're not making money, you're a fucking douchebag. And that's... That's... Fairly true. <laughs> if you look at the way the world is now, those people who are like, down with capitalism, it's like, dude... I mean, this is America, up. bro. Yeah. This is America. Shut your mouth. And so... And I told Menda my favorite part after watching it today. I was like, that ending, that final shot where you see the state capitol... And the rat is on the balcony crawling across. That's the best ultimate cherry on top final shot. Because that's the, the what is it, the summation of the entire film. And, yeah, The Departed, I'd say top three um, Scorsese. For sure. Me, like, honestly, because I watched Goodfellas, and that's why I didn't rank it or rate it on a letterbox, because I don't know what to rate it. It is a masterpiece, but I feel like giving it something lower than five stars is disrespectful, and I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those movies where those three guys, Joe Pesci, 
Ray Liotta. And De Niro. De Niro, De Niro is, this is like this is one of their defining movies for all three. Mm-hmm, I don't think you don't see much of Joe Pesci after his movie because he probably did got so he much didn't, money. Yeah, and Casino was the last. Well, I think the last thing he did uh, until Irishman because he didn't like being the gangster. Oh, also, he was in Home Alone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one and two. He just didn't like being the gangster. He was hilarious in Home Alone too. Also. Mm-hmm. It was really funny in that movie. Because with the Irishman, um, Scorsese tried to go to Pesci. He's like, hey, I got this role for you, um, whatever. And he was just like, no, I don't want to be in these like gangster movies. Like, I just don't want to do it. And he was just like... Uh, he's not like that in real life? No. He's like a super nice guy. Like, the nicest. That's what people say. Obviously, I've never met him. Right. But uh, people say, and like I've never seen an interview or listened to a, a whatever with him. Uh, but people say he's just like the complete sweetheart, whatever. But um, with the Irishman, there was an interview with Martin Scorsese with Spike Lee. Actually, they interviewed uh, Spike Lee interviewed Martin Scorsese and was uh, talking about Joe Pesci. And he was like, I was trying to get Joe Pesci and Joe Pesci was like kind of denying it. And he was like, I'll uh, talk to I'll have De Niro, you know, Bob, talk to you and uh just try to get you in it and he was like i don't want to talk to bob because he's gonna make me do it Mm -hmm. and so he's like he's gonna convince me and i don't want to do it but talking to de niro and scorsese because they're all friends they're all best literally best friends he was probably like joey come (laughs) on man he was probably like he he was like fuck and that's exactly what happened Mm -hmm. and so he did it obviously they made a masterpiece with the irishman and um, but also I want to say about that interview with Scorsese, it was at the New York Film Festival, I want to say. And it was like uh, Spike Lee and Scorsese. And they were like just hearing Martin Scorsese talk to another New Yorker. The most hilarious thing, because you they're You're old. New York He's too. like 79 now. Right. Like it was just his birthday, by the way. Happy belated to the greatest of all time. But um, hearing him talk to Spike Lee. He would like you see his character come out more instead of like the shit we're all used to seeing of him being a a filmmaker to him just chopping it up with Spike Lee was hilarious because Spike Lee was in a way bringing it out of him because he was just like Spike Lee probably loves Scorsese mm -hmm, for sure like looks up to him beyond even at the beginning of the interview it was in front of people it was like a live interview and he was like he was like do you guys now realize you are in front of the greatest to ever do it like he was like, and even at the beginning, he was like, in Brooklyn, we say, you do recognize what, we're, what you're seeing right now. And then in the, I, the one thing that I caught from uh, that Martin Scorsese said was uh, he was saying, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was saying, like, you feel me kind of thing. I was like, uh, I've, old school in New York, I was like, I've never heard Scorsese right. talk like this. Marty was coming back. Oh, Marty. And I was like, damn. But, um. Yeah, it's Irishman is a great fucking great fucking movie, and I love how how they did the de aging, because that was honestly like game changing. Like obviously de aging has been done before, but like not like this. No, you know what I mean? Very. Uh, I can't. There was one other movie where they. Oh, uh, Ant Man with uh, they did it with Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very good de aging. Mm, I they once that technology started really coming out, like you're like especially with Disney money. Disney's like, gonna always <laughs> be the cutting edge of that shit. California Adventures. You mean campus? Like it's a whole park to itself. Like like the Nike campus. Like um, like people who work. Toon, at- toon time or something like that. Like a part of the park. 
Oh shit. Mm-hmm. That's that's sick as fuck. And I think that's crazy. I mean, I know we always like talk about it of what Disney owns, but like they own Marvel and Star Wars or and Lucas Films. Mm-hmm. Like that's the craziest part to me. You you they literally invest in imagination. I think that's why I'll always I'm I like, mean, as that's much Walt as they're Disney. rich, yeah, I'm like, as much as they're rich, they give, they have given multiple generations oodles and oodles of content to be happy about and aspire to. And they do a lot of behind the scenes stuff they don't have to do. Yeah. Like the Imaginarium and come see what we're doing here and this and that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, I like Disney. I like, I don't mind spending my money for that conglomerate. Yeah, they're not like. They're not doing anything. They're not. They're not making. They're like not a making product. bad shit. Or yeah. Either. Like they're, they're not like. There's no sweatshops or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's that not Nike. Have. Yeah. They go to other countries and employ thousands of people. Yeah, like with set. Mulan, like yeah. they made they changed China. Yeah. With that shit, and I just think like, yeah, I'm all for Disney. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I watched. Uh, can I talk about this movie that I watched that was wasn't bad. It was all right. Which one? The premise. It was called Thirty Twenty Two. It was. It's a Netflix movie. I don't think I've seen it. It has uh, Omar Epps in it. It has a, like a star Amanda Cosgrove. Miranda Cosgrove is in it. Oh, def- I haven't seen her in anything since. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's why I was like this. Is- or actually, I saw her in North Hollywood. The came movie about this year. A movie that came out earlier this year, I think, or last year, maybe late last year. Thirty twenty two. Omar Epson, Kate Walsh. Oh no. I haven't seen that. So the premise of it is these people, there's we we have now have our first uh space colony on Europa, which is a moon of Jupiter, I think it is. Oh, okay. So you uh all the countries around the world, there's this fueling station in between Earth and Europa. And they all land there. You have to do like a 10 year like deployment there. Yeah. Because it takes them, you know, it's in the middle of fucking space. It takes yeah. them a while to get there. You have to stay out there 10 years. So they're sitting there and all of a sudden this shock wave. And in space, that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. This flash of light, this shock wave knocks them all out. And they're like, what the fuck? Miranda, I'm. You guys can watch it or not. It's not rated really well anywhere. It's not the greatest movie. <laughs> four out of five out of, or four point five yeah. out of ten. Uh, Miranda Cosgrove. It's space, so somebody always dies in space because it's space. Yeah. Miranda Cosgrove ends up dying from the her the blunt force trauma from getting knocked back. Oh shit! So then this shuttle shows up, and they were like, "What the fuck?" Because they were so once that shockwave happens, they're trying to get back to Houston. They're like Houston, Houston. They scan for 67 days and they can't find any kind of signal. Mm. So then this fucking shuttle shows up that's a part of the ISS. So that's they were at on Earth, like in orbit of Earth and working, and this fucking thing destroyed the space station. So come uh-huh. to find out, they're like, so what, have you guys talked to Houston? And they just kind of sat there. They're like, it's gone. Fuck. They're like, what are you talking about? They're like, like the Earth is gone. Like we are literally that is all that is left of humanity. There's like nine of them at this point. No, there's seven of them, and they are all that is left of humanity. And that is one of that's, that's why I watched crazy. the movie. That's that's crazy. why I watched. And they show it. They show like 
Because the last line the lady said before you get no more communications, mm-hmm. she said, oh, my God, what have we done? And they said, don't come back. Like, trying to don't return to Earth. That's scary as fuck. So they, then the lady brings a recording of Earth just, like, shattering into pieces. Like, it just breaks up. That's crazy. They never say exactly what destroyed Earth, but there was something... Like in the background about, you know how movies do that sometimes? Like in the background, they'll kind of like show the reason for the cataclysm, but they don't exactly say what's yeah. going on. Uh, there's CERN, you know, the particle accelerator, a particle accelerator in Geneva is like a multinational like science project. And it's, it's accelerated. They're trying to make like the Big Bang. So apparently the theory is like on the on Earth, they created the Big Bang and was like, shit. And destroyed the entire planet. Damn. So that's that, on Netflix. So the, yeah. So the movie just stems from that, and you know, it's your. Sometimes I like to watch movies like that, especially sci-fi. Yeah. I like to watch movies that aren't uh, quote unquote not that good, mm-hmm. and watch them just purely because of the concept. The concept, because Omar Epps, he did a really good. He played mm-hmm. that like he gave you that. If you really watch it with an open mind. Then I'm sure it's a good it's movie. It's actually, yeah. It's, I said it's not good in, like, the scope of how we look yeah. at cinema. But the movie itself and, like, the stuff that happens in order... Like, they're trying to survive for some Like, reason. it's the same thing as, like, un, with Underwater. Yes. It's, like, it's not that good of a movie, but, like... It's terrifying. But every little thing is, like, good. And it's done... They said his budget was really low, like, $2 million or something. So a oh, lot of shit. the That's special weird. effects are actually... So it's, like, minimal... Like, the set design like is small actually locations. really decent. Yeah. So it's actually, you know, it's not a terrible movie. A lot of them, you can just see the... We're fighting to survive, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like, you have... Where are you, what are you doing? Where are you going to go to? Mm-hmm. And the, the last transmission said, go to Europa. But they're like, we can't go there because I can't remember why. This is where the plot starts yeah. to kind of like. You're like, somebody pointed out in the reviews, they were like, you're a refueling station. How did you ha- not have <laughs> enough fuel to get to the next fucking. Mm-hmm. Spe- or did you see- just push the space station, like propel it through space. Did you see that new, the, the new pictures that NASA released of Jupiter? No. Like it's showing like, um, like re something. After I always. I always forget the the actual word for it, but like good picture, high quality pictures of Jupiter and you can see all the storms and shit like Mm -hmm. that. And it just looks dope. And there's like the little mark on Jupiter that everybody's like, what the fuck is that? Mm -hmm. It shows it. They don't know what it is still, but it's just like a clearer picture of it. It just looks super dope. In space. And I think I watched that movie because me and uh, Zoe was learning about space in school. Mm -hmm. So we just started talking about it in the car. And I said, how long do you think it take to get to like, what did we look up first? Pluto? Pluto, it takes 686 years for you to get there. Damn. Because all he asked, she was like, why can't we go to these places? I said, oh, the amount of time it takes. We can't. It just is not a mm-hmm. feasible at this time in our life. We're like barely a, on Mars. <laughs> it takes us three years to get to Mars. That's one of those things where the dude was like, um, oh, I watched another movie about Jupiter on for a Netflix movie called Jupiter Titan. Ascending. Oh. No. <laughs> I would never watch that movie again. There's a part of me that wants to watch it, but every time I see it, I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time watching it. The fucking werewolf of floating boots. I don't know what the fuck is going on, man. Yeah, it's the Wachowski sisters, dude. Come on, man. I feel like they're trying to go too hard That was like mid-transition or something. (laughs) That shit was fucking... 
But uh, Jupiter, it was called Titan, and it's about again, Earth is running low on uh, resources. Mm-hmm. We're fighting, you know, the last of the oil has been used up in countries like China and you, mm-hmm. Russia are fighting now. So they're like, that's near, like, we're going to basically kill III. ourselves. Yeah. Like, we're going, this is coming. So we need to be able to go somewhere and, like, inhabit it. So mm-hmm. they said Jupiter is the only planet in our solar system that has an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, flipped there. It's, like, 70% nitrogen in the air. No, our air is like that. It's, like, 77% nitrogen. And like twenty three percent oxygen. I think it's like flipped there. And there's like a certain like percentage that. you have yeah, to have. Yeah, or it's like more methane than anything else. It's like because like too much oxygen is bad. Terrible. For yeah, you. will kill you. And uh, so yeah, and then like the oceans and lakes there are made out of that's liquid methane. So it's like our planet just Damn. it just everything just evolved like happened differently, but it can still sustain a life form. So the whole movie cool. is then basically reprogramming dna and trying to make these like superior human beings to be able to live on jupiter what movie is that it's called titan because that's where they're trying to go it's not jupiter it's the moon of jupiter oh so it's another moon of jupiter that's what i'm sorry i meant to say it was the moon of jupiter that's cool so they they were like we're gonna call you guys titans because that's what you'll be not earthlings you're titans I'll be no, like, but fuck the, yeah. <laughs> it's again another great concept because they show you like that is these all these concepts are like things that we're trying to do now, like genetic reprogramming mm-hmm. and shit like that. And um I don't want to get into real world shit, but uh the new matrix, yeah, I kinda wanna watch it now. Have to. Because of how I cause I saw the trailer when I saw Dune mm-hmm. and I was obviously high the first time I watched it. Yes. And um I was like, watching the trailer for Matrix, I was like, this is like almost like Black Mirror-esque to where it's like you, when you watch it, it'll almost talk about, not talk about the world, but like... It'll make your brain tingle. It's going to be like, like the Matrix. Like, I call it the brain tingle. Like you're the like, first one. You're like, Ugh. Like how we view the first Matrix. Yeah. You're giving me a... And even like, not only how like existential or whatever it is it's cognitive dissonance that's what it's called it's more like like and also how spiritual matrix is i feel like all that is going to apply to this and it's even directed by the wachowski sisters so it's like the same people that means they have a message that mm-hmm. they want to send us you know what got i mean some, i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna say this some like social commentary not social i don't mind social commentary but like none of us in here are like super woke like those people who are like Call me by whatever I, I say. Call me by. Call me by Apache helicopter. Yeah, but just I just saw this video. It was like, call me a demon, and that, and I'm like, all right, I'm like Jesus Christ, I'm a I'm a neuro I'm a neurogender this and that, <laughs> and I do this, and I be those TikToks, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They be like, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm that 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 that, that and they're like, God, Jesus Christ, like, do you no really have time it. for that? Bro? Yeah, no, that's why everybody <laughs> thinks you're a fucking loser, you liberal, because you're sitting around making these videos. That's why and no not one working. likes you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you fucking nerd. It's because you're being a little bitch about it. <laughs> Because I know there's gay people that are dope as fuck. Yes, and there's exactly. Trans they be people saying that, that same shit. They be like, bro, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they be like, I don't give a shit. Like when people say, like, there's gay people that are like these new gays. Are yeah, like, just, they really do be saying that. They be like, y'all new gays don't know how good you got it. Mm-hmm. But so the movie Titan, so a lot of the people end up like. That one sounds cool. Like either dying. And it's the dude from Avatar. I know yes. what you're talking yes. about. He, fuck, we just main, talked about him last yeah. week. He's the main character, and he plays Sean the, Williamson. Yes, 
Some Mendo look that up, please. If yes. I just guess that, <laughs> I was about to say Sean William Scott, and I was like, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Something Williamson, William, William is in it. Isn't he British or Scottish or some shit like he's that? He's probably Scottish. I think he's Welsh. That might be it too. Like uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. He's he's Welsh. But uh, so yeah, so basically only two of them survive. Him and another chick, the chick from Fast and the Furious. Jordana Brewster. No, the black chick from the new oh, Fast and the Furious. She's the in James Bond. Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Worthington. Worthington. Yeah. Sam Worthington. Close enough. I said Sean Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Rob answer. <laughs> but so yeah, that was a good movie, and he ends up, you know, fucking stuff happens. Oh, okay. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, it's uh, you're less than five years old, so I don't want to spoil it. Or is it? I think it might have came out twenty. Okay, yeah, three oh, years shit. old. So yeah, go watch Titan if you guys want to. If y'all like sci-fi, y'all know me. That's the uh, that's the dealio. Okay. So now, yeah, let's get into Jesus it. Jesus Christ. Okay, so the writings of Charlie Kaufman, uh, the modern day Shakespeare. I watched. I think this is a. Uh, oh, enough. what did you? Uh, you only watched. I'm thinking of anything. Did you well, watch? I've the- I've watched. Uh, Being John Malkovich. Fifty thousand million times. I know that movie like the back of my head. And then what else? That That's, was it. That was it. I'm thinking of anything. My brain could only handle one Charlie Kaufman movie. Okay. Because so, it was so like. So how was I'm thinking of anything? I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I don't know who anybody was. Uh-huh. I, I, so I liked the four by three aspect ratio. Yeah, yeah. I thought I didn't know whether I was supposed to laugh or like. Yeah. Be like creeped out, and I was like, ah, 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 ah. Yeah. I didn't know. And then he's like, I don't know if he abuses his parents or not, mm-hmm. or they abused him. And then she keeps he keeps keep doing that thing where he snatches away from her like a kid, like don't touch me, mom. And he's that guy from. Uh, he was in Game Breaking Night. Bad. He was in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. I remember him from that movie Game Night. He was in Breaking Bad. He was in uh the he was in the Irishman. He was in Um What a uh, That's what they said Brendan Sagalow looks like. That's why I know that name. Like you look like a fat Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Yeah, he was in Breaking Bad, uh, the movie El Camino. He was in Irishman. Hold on. He's going to be in. Uh, he was in the oh, yeah, he was Messiah. in The Master. I know him from that movie. Yeah, I knew. I was like, he's been in a bunch of shit. I just. He's going to. Observe be, and report, for, of course. Antlers. He's going to. Battleship. Be, I still haven't seen Antlers, bro. I still got to see Antlers. Go down. He's going to be in Killers of the Flower Moon. Right there. Oh, he shit. That wasn't in, like Mike. He was the bully, wasn't he? he Click on that's a new poster. Where? The Killers of the Flower Moon. That's a book, ain't it? Yeah. I think that's the book cover. Oh, probably. Oh, yeah, it is. David Grant. I'm reading the book right now. Oh shit, Leo. Yeah, Menda showed it to me uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Fucking Leo and Scorsese again. The one I didn't watch this week was Wolf of Wall Street. Is this movie about people who killed Native Americans who were rich? Yeah. Just so they could take their oil? Oil, yeah. But it's... uh, Reading the book is so good, dude. The book is... I'm like... Does your whiteness know no bounds? 50 pages in. And it is... It's so good because it's real. It's basically, obviously, like... 
true events, but the book is telling it like it's a mystery novel. It's right. so well written. Like, it's so good. And that's why I'm excited for the movie. I, I, I was even talking to Mendo about the book. I was like, how is Scorsese going to make this a, a Scorsese movie? Because reading the book, I'm like, I don't catch any any type of Scorsese vibes. Like, the 20s in Oklahoma, that doesn't remind I, That would not be my first choice. But anyways, um, uh, so I'm I, thinking of anything. I don't know what... Was it supposed to be like fourth wall breaking or was it supposed to be like we're watching a play like we're watching them watching a play or we're watching them in a play and they know they're in the play. I had no idea what was going on. Like she she kept like having these weird like hallucinations with the mom. Mm. She was all of a sudden elderly and then she was like young. It's all yeah, keep going. And they were talking about I was like, is this movie about time travel? And then he kept saying something about the future and then she started crying when she saw the janitor. And I was like, is he the janitor now? But then I saw the janitor watching the play cuz he got naked in the hallway. I didn't know what was going on. You didn't catch any what did you catch any like messages? No. I couldn't like Damn. I couldn't like I thought get, you would really like feel all these movies i feel like because they have they have some very good existential uh messages to them i think it's one of those movies where the the cinematography is just like being john malkinridge was way more like it was very like blocky it was like this scene this scene this scene and it was kind of like funny with the three and third and a half floor or whatever you know like it was kind of like i could digest that even as a young person Mm -hmm. but this one it's not that i couldn't catch uh i can always catch a lesson so i guess the lesson i learned from this one was huh oh no i can't think of any sorry couldn't (laughs) think of one i really can't because that's why i wanted you like you should watch the the rest of them the rest of his movies anomalisa is probably my favorite one that's the stop motion one he made and then uh his first movie synecdoche new york with uh um what's his name philip philip seymour hoffman is in it and um yeah synecdoche new york is very that's the most like like just mo I don't want to say depressing but it's just very just dark and real it's the most real movie of like pure emotion but th- since we're talking about I'm thinking of ending things um I I mean I hate to like talk on it when like I know you watched it once but like for me to just like pour out all these fucking you know well, that cuz I think that I was just about to say watching it the first time and and watching it for a reason other than my own enjoyment mm-hmm. I was watching it I wasn't looking for anything I was like I need to watch this for the podcast mhm because I'm not going to lie, the first time I put it on, I fell asleep right in this chair. <laughs> Menda told me. I fell asleep in the chair. I woke up, and I was like, the movie's over with. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> and so I watched it again. And I said, oh, this is a good movie. I like the 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, I like everybody's acting. I like the, the set design, the, the slipper thing. I mm-hmm. really, I was just, one, that Jesse Plemons always kind of like weirds me out in mm-hmm. every role he ever plays yeah so i was just like i was like is this like he about to rape her or something like 
he went in the house. He kept saying, hello, hello, hello. Nobody was answering. I was like, oh, he's about to put her in the basement and, like, kill her. Mm -hmm. But then, no, it was like she was like, this place seems familiar to her. And the waving through the window. Yeah. And she kept on. And the dog shaking off the water. And it did it for, like, 30 seconds. But it matched up with some other sound. Like, the dog shook, but you thought it was, like, something else. I can't remember what Mm -hmm. the sound was supposed to match. I like how the movie, the whole movie was basically in the house. I think what threw me off sometimes, and I was trying to catch things, is their poetry. I was trying to, like, mm-hmm. listen to his poetry is something that is lost on me sometimes. Because I'm like, I don't know what people are talking about sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. they sound like Travis Scott to me. Like, <laughs> I think you're just saying words together. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what you're trying to say, yeah. but I get the gist of, like, the point. I like their banter that she was a... a physicist right she was studying she was physics. a whole bunch of things yeah a poet, oh, but she physicist. was different things changed it she was a painter she was oh like she was and it was switching that was the point is that she her name even changed she was lisa she was laura she was emile she was different names throughout the movie she wore different outfits yeah she wore everything was changing constantly in in the movie throughout the movie and and because the main i mean i've seen this movie like a few times but Jesse Plemons' character is the the story is told through not uh, that character that Jesse Plemons plays. It's told through his perspective. But because Jesse Plemons and the janitor is the same person, yeah, it's I through the through the perspective of the janitor. He's thinking about her, mm-hmm. and all, so it's like basically a, a fantasy. And so him, all these things she's saying, and even like you find out he's a painter. And she's, like, taking these paintings as, like, her own thing that she's done. And, like, her finding out that they're not hers is, like, it's very, like, takes away your... And that's what I got from the, the, from the movie is that, like, all these memories we have and all the media we ingest in ourselves is what makes us. And so, like, and even with the dad having uh, Alzheimer's, not for, forgetting all these memories and not having... A personality in a way and it's like basically like when you die the only thing you have left with you to make you who you are is your memories and what you remember so i feel like him having alzheimer's is like sad you know what i mean and then um just so 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 she's made up no she she's probably real but it's just told through the perspective of the janitor he's thinking about her and he's now that makes the movie make sense. Just making this. I was trying to figure out who was telling the fucking story because she was narrating. Mm-hmm. So I was like, was she talking about herself? But I knew she was talking about him. But it's like she was talking down on him. But now I can see that he's talking down on himself. Mm-hmm. And Thinking, you see, when he's older, he's just all alone. And then yeah, even at the end, um, when she hugs him in the hallway, that's when I figured out it was him. When she looks at him and she's like crying. Mm-hmm. And what does she say to him? Thank you. It was basically like, thank you or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's him. Because he just stared at her. And he's like, this is all I have. The way he said, this is all I have. Like, this is all I have, like, left. Yeah. Like, this is all I have to offer you. And she was like, no, that's fine. Yeah, and it's a very, like, and even with, like you said, I think, I thought it was very interesting that you said, is it about time travel? Because Cause he, said, he said that it was almost like as if time it was one of those it's, things where it's it was like, like we it was think happening. we're we're moving through time, but really it's time moving through us. Yeah, that's and, why. I, that's what I. That's the message I was trying to say. Like that's what I got from it. Like time is almost irrelevant again. Like this is about mm-hmm. 
Like it's just a concept and that's mm-hmm. what it is. And mm-hmm. because and even the scariest part about I'm thinking of ending things is thinking. And like thinking about the like thinking about the future is scary, but so is not thinking about the future. You know what I mean? So was the snow supposed to represent his uh not dementia, the other one. Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Was the snow supposed was the car supposed to represent him going to uh, these different memories and then the snow is kinda like we're getting lost mm-hmm. and have to find these memories. I think again. at the ending when when he's when the snow is covered in the car yeah. or in the truck, I think that was a great final shot of like he's buried himself in this. That was the creepiest part to me because I was like, why is this dude? I thought he was like, again, I thought he was about to make, I thought it was time travel. That's why I thought it was a time travel movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he like makes himself like older or younger to fit whatever is going on. Cause mm-hmm. I saw him like pulling on his face and it looked like he was getting younger. I was like, is this a time travel movie? Mm-hmm. And then I started kind of getting it. But then he started taking off his clothes. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, maybe it's like really painful to time travel, kind of like butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. Like it starts to hurt you or something. I mean, that's it really hurts to just fucking live yeah. and go through time. Yeah. And, and that, have time go through us and get did, older. Yeah. It, it was very... Um, Seeing him run through the hallways naked. But then that last scene of him doing Oklahoma and mm-hmm. then the license plate that said Oklahoma. I was trying to figure out, like, what was the importance of the play Oklahoma because mm-hmm. he kept talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, what was so important about Oklahoma that was that made him gravitate toward it? And he explains it. He explains it. The younger version of him explains it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's just the stu- like the their words, the stuff that they say. It's a story about people coming back, like, during the Dust Bowl era. So he just really loves it, you know? And so I did. It wasn't a bad movie at all. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I like this movie. I just didn't. My face was kind of scrunched up sometimes. That's why I, like, recommended it because it's, like, it requires, like, not, like, a higher level of thinking, but just a higher level of receiving. You know what I mean? I should have got way higher before I watched it. I should have got, like, smacked and Because it's such, like existential concepts in all yeah. his movies yeah, and they even really in are. fucking being john malkovich being john malkovich was a that was the first movie where i learned about like sense of self mm-hmm. especially when he and not sense of self not just sense of self about how people view you in the world mm-hmm. so they were going into his body being a famous person mm-hmm. and like when people like have like an idol or whatever and yes. they, they want to be like him like they oh. became obsessed with him mm-hmm to the point where y'all were now a love triangle. Now you're, you, you like, you oh, I, know. Want, I want to have sex with you, but as John Malkovich, yes. like, I and don't, don't want to be with you, but I want to be you inside of John Malkovich having sex with me. It's like, it's some crazy and then, like, shit. For 20 minutes of the movie to like hijack his body and nobody else can mm-hmm. be John Malkovich. So it's very like, mm-hmm. I'm sure like if you show a grown person, uh, being John Malkovich right now, they would kind of react like watching this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they've never seen it before. So Charlie Kaufman, um, he did. I, I wish like I had all his movies so I could just have you watch them because adaptation, because all I shouldn't say ex- they are existential all his movies, but they're very meta. They're all very like about himself really because mm-hmm. he. 
doesn't make movies like for a group of people or for a certain type of people or whatever. He makes them all because these are his own thoughts that he has. And even like with adaptation, there's a movie with, called Adaptation with Nicolas Cage. Great fucking movie. But I don't think he wrote it. Spike Jones actually directed it. Spike Jones directed Adaptation and uh, Being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's about Nicolas Cage plays Charlie Kaufman, the, a screenwriter. And uh, in the movie, uh, he's hired to write a script based off of a book about flowers. And so he's not able to uh, write the script. He's not able to adapt it, hence the name of the movie, Adaptation. He's not able to like adapt it to a script. So he ends up writing a script about writing the script. Or he ends up writing a script about trying to adapt a book. Mm-hmm. And that's literally how Charlie Kaufman wrote it because he was hired from Hollywood. He's like, Hey, there's this book. We want you to adapt into a script and it'll be made into a movie. And he wasn't able to, in real life, Charlie Kaufman wasn't able to. So instead of writing an adaptation, he wrote a movie about himself, not being able to write an adaptation. And it's just so much of like a mind fuck in a way to where you're like, Oh, like it's just so clever of what, and the way it's executed. But it also makes sense why they're not like extremely popular movies. Though. Mm-hmm. They're very like it's not easy to digest. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot of you have to think you have to like again if you're just watching it just to watch it, which I started off as, and I was like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I have to look for something in this movie because mm-hmm. you're. I mean, I hate saying this, but you're watching art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're you're not. This isn't for a fucking person who only watches what's in you know what's most popular hbo max or what's popular uh in theaters or whatever but i think that's also why i couldn't pay attention i was watching it as if it was a moving picture like Mm -hmm. i'm not really paying attention to any kind of message i'm just looking at the shots Mm -hmm. and the charlie kaufman is like mostly like maybe about 95 percent message Mm -hmm. and not even like just kind of like i don't know like it's just something about all his writings. It literally changed my life. Or like mm-hmm. seeing um, Anomalisa and also um, Synecdoche, New York. Because I watched this of his direction first. And I got, obviously, I was really high and I watched it. And even, you could tell through my review that I was really high. Mm-hmm. But I watched it and I was like, oh my God. This, it, it's so thought provoking. That's what his movies are are just extremely just like I can't even take in everything he's just said. You know what I mean? And didn't uh, uh, Jim Carrey play a movie where he played him? Was That That the... was Andy Kaufman. Oh, okay. Was that his brother or something? No. Oh. Uh, but that's funny because Nicolas Cage played Charlie Kaufman. Like he made a movie about himself Mm -hmm. because Nicolas Cage plays Charlie Kaufman, but in adaptation, he has a twin brother named something else, but, uh, they were twins and it's literally his own psyche, like two, like left brain, right brain Mm -hmm. to where like the left brain was just like, Oh, I can't, 
uh, do this. It's so hard to write an adaptation. Like, I'm not going to fucking listen to anybody. Like, I can do this on my own. I know how to write. I'm going to do it. But his twin brother is like, oh, dude, I just went to this fucking what of this event this expo about screenwriting and they gave me advice and i can do this and look i wrote this script about it's a crime thriller in the 40s whatever and what and he's just like shut the fuck up like there's basically both sides of his mind of like wanting to take advice and being open and being quote-unquote basic mm-hmm. of just like oh yeah we're just working with everybody taking it in multiple sources of information but nicholas kate charlie playing carly fuck nicholas cage playing charlie kaufman is more of I'm in my own head about everything, which is how I am. <laughs> but adaptation is great. I actually watched that with my mom, and my mom was like, "That was actually really good." <laughs> but um, Anomalisa, I uh, that's the most like. There's a scene in that movie that's maybe like ten minutes long, that I I want to recreate as a short film. But obviously live action. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do a fucking stop motion. Jesus. But um, Synecdoche, New York, uh, what that's about is Philip Seymour Hoffman is a playwright. And he is trying to make his masterpiece. He gets a, 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 fun, a funding from some theater where it's like basically unlimited. Like, yeah. you, like unlimited budget. And it's like, like working for Netflix. Yeah, it's like you could do whatever you want. And so Philip Seymour Hoffman tries to write his, mat, like, the greatest, you know what I mean, whatever. And so eventually it keeps going on and on. As the movie goes on, he's writing a play that's about his life, like, to the T. Like, every single little person he, every single person he meets, he writes into the script. Like, every single little thing he does day by day. Mm. is in the script and like the play is like five years ago but he's living and he's like writing it at the same time you know what i mean and so like in that poster right there that uh, cover art is the the stage design for the theater like he ends up getting the entire warehouse and just building a city and like writing about his life and like as his life is going like his wife is yelling at him and he's writing it into the script. There's a part of the scene where his wife is yelling at him. And then in the next scene, somebody's playing his wife and playing him. Like, and it's the same exact scene, like, from the time before. And mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit. Like, it's, it's, and then he ends up meeting somebody. Tom Noonan, by the way, great actor, ends up playing him in the play. And, like, in the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie, you can see him. He's not in focus ever, but you can see him in the background of, like, every scene like you could see him in the distance and they don't pay the camera doesn't pay any attention to him but like if you look in the background of the movie he's like in like you could see him stalking him basically and he doesn't come in until like the 30 minute mark like hey i've been following you your whole life and i think i'm the best fit to play you in your play and so he ends up playing him and so the whole movie he's like following him around and like he's getting yelled at by like the person playing his wife it's and it's way more bizarre than that like the little shit it's like i mean every movie like being john malkovich is fucking bizarre you know what i mean so is adaptation so is every i haven't seen confessions of a dangerous mind and i haven't seen human nature and i i remember starting eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but i just didn't like it because it was way too like like sad boy type shit like 
teenage. It felt too like teenage. I've I was just I've started that movie also, and I never like got into. I was it. like, this is so like, but I love it because people rave about that movie. Yeah, and I, and I love it because it's a fantasy I've had before. Yeah, I wish someone can remove this memory of this person in my life because mm-hmm. I'm way better off not ever knowing this ever happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. The Eternal Sunshine is a great concept. But then that also brings up the thing of I'm thinking of ending things, which is your memories make you who you are. Yeah. But you can't, you don't want to take it away because mm-hmm. that's how you become the janitor who's alone. Yeah. And and that's all. His movies are great, dude. Just as far as like concept wise, like he's a genius. Charlie Kaufman is a genius. And I'm I I started his book. But I uh, I never finished it. I got like maybe thirty pages in or something like that, and I took a break, and I just never got back to it. But um, but yeah, all his movies are really fucking good. Anomalisa, that's a fucking oh, that's a Mendo. You're tired, huh? <laughs> Anomalisa's great. What does it say as a description? An inspirational speaker becomes reinvigorated after meeting a lively woman who shakes up his mundane existence yeah great charlie welcome to the kaufman surreal neorealism tale and the doll road of sameness that's such a like a yeah you would definitely like that movie that's something you would say welcome to the kaufman surreal neorealism that's some like cinematography that's like <laughs> some cinematic talk neorealism i mean italian neorealism is a real thing i think i've talked about it on this fucking podcast before what is it? What is it? What does neorealism mean? It's basically like that's kind of the not the origin. I'd say a part of the origin of a character study, to where like there's a one of the greatest movies ever called Bicycle Thieves that I've also recommended to you because it's a great movie yeah, you about always have about that. fatherhood. But it's basically about taking this one person and um, they're basically like following them, like it almost like documentary esque. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like. Real life, it's not like American, you know, Hollywood where it's about a cop and a bad guy or whatever. Like, neorealism is about like just following this guy and what he's doing with his life, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's inspired a it's neorealism, it's inspired so many movies from, from Italy, like Italian neorealism, like all of those movies. Like, there's a movie called Il Posto about a guy who just graduated from high school and he doesn't, he's uh, trying not to waste like his time because basically it's about you graduate from high school then you go get a job at a factory or some shit right away and you work there for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. so in that day that he has like after graduation or whatever he finds a girl that's also about to go get a job too and they spend like four hours together or whatever and go hang out and then they have to go back by a certain time and then that's when they get their job or whatever so they're like spending all that time all that free time and they're like I just think that scene is so touching when they're hanging out and then they have to go back and like that's the rest of their life. So they're like taking advantage of all this freedom that they have. And then because uh, you know that once they go back to where they have to be, that that's the rest of their life. So but anyways, what Anomalisa is about is obviously it's the guy, you know, fuck, what's that called? The Fregoli, Fregoli? Uh Look up Fregoli. F-R-E-G-O-L-I. I've definitely uh, had uh, a minor case of this before. 
Regoli Delusion. Regoli Delusion is the mistaken belief that some person currently present in the deluded person's environment, typically a stranger, is a familiar person in disguise. Let me read that again because that was confusing. Regoli Delusion is the mistaken belief that some person currently present in the deluded person and the deluded person's environment is a familiar person in disguise so basically everyone around you is the same person and i've felt like that a lot before but that's basically this movie takes it to the ultimate extreme yeah like the, that was the being john malkovich thing but this movie is the entire movie Right there, Anomalisa. So basically, um, every single person in Anomalisa. So there's the uh, click on that picture. The guy on the left, main character. The guy on the right, or the girl on the right, is uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, the girl who played Daisy Domergue in Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. That she voices that character. So both of them, uh, obviously, their faces look different, but. Every single other character, watch, go to Letterboxd and go to Anomalisa. Every single other character has the same modeled face on every single puppet. Look at the cast. It's David Thewlis, Jennifer Jason Lee, and then Tom Noonan as everybody else. Look at the, what does the name say? Everyone else. Everyone else. That's all it says, everyone else. He's the voice for every single other character in the movie. And I, and... It's so genius of like you like I've I know at least for me, like I felt like, damn, everyone is just the same fucking person and I hate everybody. We all like the same things. And, yeah, and I can see that. I feel that that's like Instagram. And I, was I just, felt that today on Instagram. I was like, this shit is stupid because uh, literally everybody does the same thing. And so I was just like, I've definitely, and then him finding a girl that has a different voice and a different face. He's like, oh my God. And he just is just mesmerized by her. And he's like, are you like, he's just completely fascinated. And he's like, just keep, and there's a part where he's like, just keep talking to me about anything. Just tell me like, just talk. Like, and I just love, I was just, I, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my God. And I think every time I seen his movie for the first time, I was high. Which helps a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to be more high than I was to watch. I don't know. Being John Malkovich, it never maybe it just prepped me for that type of intake of movies. But again, I wasn't watching it the same way I watched John Malkovich, which was like purposeful a couple of times. Like I really liked the concept because I understood it. Yeah. This movie, I was watching it for the show, and I was looking at like the shots and shit. Mm-hmm. No, like this is all. This is purely writing. Yeah, this, like this is Charlie Kaufman, a writer. He's not. A, I mean, he obviously is a filmmaker, but yeah, the, there, there's different directors that focus on different things. And Charlie Kaufman is the best writer in the world. I yeah. he's my favorite, and I love every single thing he's done. So yeah, Anomalisa, Synecdoche, New York. Uh, I'm thinking of anything. So those are the three movies he's directed. He all he wrote being John Malkovich adaptation, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Human Nature, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and he's coming out with uh, the Memory Police right there. It's that's actually a book on the left. 
this. Yeah. Directed by Reed Moreno, who actually did uh, I Think We're Alone Now, that Peter Dinklage movie that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a great movie. And so her doing The Memory Police, written by Charlie Kaufman, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? And I don't know, when did, does that say when it comes out, or does it have a release year yet? No, it doesn't. Damn. Maybe it'll say it if I hover over it. No, fuck. But that reminds me of that movie that Anthony Mackie and Matt Damon were in. Altered Carbon, not Altered Carbon. No, there were that was a it was like a memory police type. That premise sounds fairly. It reminds similar. me of Repo Men. You know, Repo they Take Back Your Organs. That one. Yeah, with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Love that movie. That's, a, that's super, super talk underrated. About a, talk about a capitalism movie. That movie's super yeah, I underrated. I felt that shit in my heart. I was like, that debt boy. I feel like more people. Oh, you need to save her life. Get a heart transplant. Take out this loan for $800,000. And if you don't, we're going to come and fucking take it back? And that was legal? It's crazy. Dude. That movie, that movie I, is slapped on. When did that movie come out? And who directed that? Repo Men with, with Forrest Whitaker? Who was that on and Blu-ray. Jude, Jude Law? Yeah, Jude Law. It was Jude Law. And Rizzo was in it. I don't remember him in it. He was, he 2010. Was, he, was doing, he was a drug addict. Yeah, me and Thiethi rented this. And he kind of played Rizzo, but he wasn't that. Jude Law walks in, and he sees him, and he's like, oh, shit. Like, you're such and such. Mm-hmm. And he just, they're kind of just having a talk. And he was like, you mind if I, like, show you this beat before we do the thing? Oh. And it was just, like, they were just that. chopping it up before he takes his fucking heart away. And fucking, uh, but Michel Gondry, he did Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind and also Human Nature. Oh, yeah, Lee Shriver was in it. Um, Michel Gondry, uh, if you look him up, he did, he's French, I believe. But he did uh, Be Kind Rewind, which is a... Ah, uh, slept on movie. Amazing movie. Slept on. That was one of the first movies where I liked it because of the way it looked. Mm-hmm. I was like, I like the way that movie is shot, and I want to watch that. Go to Eternal Sunshine, and then Michel Gondry. The Green Hornet. Loved it. Uh, the movie was funny, too. Yeah, Be Kind Rewind is great. I remember awesome we rented that from we rented that from Blockbuster. I unironically. <laughs> that yeah, that movie is so cool. It's yeah. it's very inspiring like as a filmmaker. Yeah, for sure. That's what I was like. I saw that. I was it was a great movie for creatives. Yeah. Like they they were still having fun. Nobody but everybody made fun of him. You look like a bunch of nerds. Mhm. And like him, was it his dad? It was his dad, right? That owned the shop. I want to say so. Wasn't his dad like Dying or old yeah. or something like he was, that, and he loved his love of movies is the reason why he was doing this. Great fucking movie. That's we kind of rewind is super. What was this scene on. where he wasn't he taking a magnet to the tapes at one point? He was yeah. mad. Something and happened. He messed up all the tapes. Yeah, yeah, he was mad about it. He was like, "Fuck you." That's the premise of the movie. Yeah, and that's why they have that's to remake the, exactly. all the movies. Exactly. I can't. I forgot why they were making the movie. That was why. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. 
was like, why were they making that movie in the first place? <laughs> they make remake a RoboCop. He fucking comes in. And, you know, most Def is not mentioned as a great as a rapper turned actor. Nobody sixteen talks blocks. About how good he is, dude. Sixteen blocks changed my life, dude. Go to yeah, go to uh, most Def. I wonder. Michelle Gondry. Be kind. Yeah, it's a huge chain of just Yasin Bay. Day, sorry, dad named him. He was in Talladega Nights? He was in an uncut version of Talladega Nights. Oh. Like, he's in a specific scene where he was with uh, Jean Gerard, where he was at his house, like, talking about art and shit. Oh, yeah, he was. He was like, is that most deaf? He was like, no. (laughs) 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 Fucking, yeah. People forget about, uh, like, a lot of people haven't seen that uh, uncut version. There is an uncut version where that part where he's like, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. That scene is way longer. Like, they make way more jokes. I think I've only ever seen the uncut version then. Because I've never seen... I think I've seen that on, on, like, TV. I'm like, what the fuck movie is this? Like, check out all the good parts. Like, on on, on Netflix, Talladega Nights is on Netflix. And they have the, like, a weird version. Not a weird version. The normal version, I should say. Yeah, and it's like... 16 man. blocks right there. Fucking Bruce Willis and most deaf. Bruce Willis, I don't know how he's still around. He is... This movie is so great. He's always a cop. And it's the great noir. I, I would love this movie to be remade by somebody. This is a, this looks like a good movie. There was, I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Too. Yeah. Me and Thithi watch that all the time. All the time <laughs> I watch that. Oh. Brown Sugar. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? No. That's black cinema. <laughs> all black people love Brown Sugar. Right. Be- <laughs> Yeah, that fucking there's one part in that movie where uh tay Diggs, his wife is cheating on him mm-hmm. and he like walks into the restaurant because she's on the date and he's like hey richard lawson and that's like <laughs> his name he kept saying by richard he kept saying his fucking name carmen slept on damn most death been in a lot of shit mm-hmm. how is he still rapping is he still rapping I'm pretty sure he is. But, um... I don't think Dave Chappelle will let him stop rapping. Yeah, Michelle Gondry, he did the Green Hornet. Seth Rogen, like, uh, insisted on Michelle Gondry directing it. I liked, uh, what's his name in that movie? Christoph. Yeah, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Because I, when I read uh, Seth Rogen's book, he there was a whole not a whole chapter, but there was a big part of him making uh, the problems of trying to make Green Hornet and how hard it was. Did he produce it? Probably, most likely. I mean, I think Seth Rogen produces everything he's in, especially now. Seth Rogen production. I spelled that right. Yeah, I did. Producer, twenty-seven films. Yeah, super bad. Fucking everything. Disaster artist. This is the end. Basically, all of the slappers. Good boy. Oh yeah, that was his movie. Good boys was hilarious. Sausage party. Why do people hate? People hate on that. 
because it's raunchy. People don't like dick jokes and shit. I think I'm the only one that thought that that was a very real movie. Like a like that had a for me that Sausage Party had a huge message about the world and how people interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Fifty Fifty made me cry. For sure. Sausage Party. What would you? What do you think the message was in that? I don't remember too much. Just kind of the dynamics of different races in the world and how we treat yes, each other. Yes, that's what I do remember that about that movie. Yes. Oh, you're a you're a bud. Or every time they say uh, douche or or like a douche comes out, but fuck, go. What are all the characters? They are Seth Rogen. It's the sausage. The sausage. Sergeant Pepper, Frank, Sergeant Pepper, Brenda. They don't tell uh, you what they are. They just say their character names. But yeah, just everybody as as like a specific. And even I thought the Native American scene That's when racist. they had when they had the cigarettes. How come everybody else? Oh, okay, there we go. That's better now. What? Yeah, I was like, how come everybody else got like regular names and then Craig Robinson, Ritz, Druggy. James Franco is druggy. But like the part where I think every time they said like cheese or something like that. Teresa Taco, Selma Hayek. Like someone like there was like a character like someone was like cheese or something like that. And he would like pop out every time they said it like something like it. And there was one time where he like almost said something that related to cheese and he popped out. And then the douche was like, that was a fucking reach and you know it. <laughs> and that's, I don't know. I haven't seen Sasha's Party in a minute. A long time. Long time. I think since it came out, I think that's when he I watched it. He produced the first Ninja Turtles remake? Oh, he, no. He's going to. 2023. The next uh, chapter. That's cool. Who's Jeff Rowe? Click on that. Oh, it was about to be his first shit. Yeah, he ain't got shit else. You're, to, you're, on the, you're on the block, Jeff Rowe. Shout out to Seth Rogen. So is this a continuation from the last ones or a completely new one? I hope it's not fucking Alibaba produced again. It might be a continuation. Boo. Boo Alibaba. It might be a continuation. He produced Game Over, man. Hilarious. Yes. The Guilt Trip. That was a good movie, man. That was a great message. Enjoy your mom while she's still here, man. Game over, man. The fucking Adam Devine goes full frontal in the yeah, movie. He does. <laughs> Straight dick out. <laughs> Funny people. Pretty good. Do you really? The night before, slept on. I haven't seen that. Slept. This is a Christmas movie <laughs> that you need to watch every single year. Yeah. Oh, this is coming out on Thanksgiving. This episode. It is coming out on Thanksgiving. This happy is, Thanksgiving. Yeah, if you're listening to this on Thursday, Yay. happy Thanksgiving. I just, thank God you said Christmas. Let our, vo- let our voices put you to sleep as you eat your turkey filled with tractor <laughs> fam. So where are we at? on the uh, 110. All right, that's not bad. Uh, no. What are some Thanksgiving movies? We uh, Did we mention that yeah, on the podcast? Yeah, Four Brothers. We never said it out loud, I don't think. I think maybe we have. I think before we'll we recorded. We'll say it again. If you're, when you're listening to this, watch these movies today, right now, especially because this drops in the morning. So some of you are listening in the morning. Go. ATL. Yes, ATL with T.I. And, and Lauren London. And Big Boy. And Big Boy. You just slapped me in the mouth with some motherfucking <laughs> money. <laughs> Fucking uh, Stomp the Yard. I should, Stomp that's the Yard. Number, go watch Stomp the Yard. Knucklehead. That's the, <laughs> that's the first one you need to watch. Stomp the Yard. 
then ATL. We're definitely watching ATL when we went yeah. on Thursday. We're watching. And then I can't believe this man. Ti, what you know about that? That I song sat in the movie theater just to hear that song come through the movie theater speakers, and it sounded amazing. That song is insane. Uh, Louis Knapsack, where I'm holding all the work at. Would you know? But motherfucking <laughs> a Louis Knapsack. That's before anybody else was carrying yeah, this shit dude, like that. If you that. listen to T.I.'s music today, he was rapping about the brands, all the designers, 20 years ago. This is why ago. he be yelling at them niggas. He was like, I started trap music. I mean, like, he he started, like, classy trap. Gucci was, like, drug yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I sit on the porch with a gun, and T.I. was like, I got hitters to do that shit for me. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't Wasn't he Two Chains was a shooter, right? He was, yes, he was Two Chain shooter, or he was Ti shooter. Yes, Duffel Bag, Duffel Bag Gang forever. In the words of Ti, uh, I mean, in the words of Two Chains, but um, yeah, you okay. we need to watch this the night before on Christmas. The night before. Oh, my favorite like films, like these are movies that we're going to watch, but like good vibe. Thanksgiving vibe movies that like remind me of, like a fall and like trees and shit mm-hmm. is definitely the Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter with Robert De Niro is great. It's it's a Vietnam. It's not a Vietnam movie, but it's like post. It's a post Vietnam movie, and uh, one of the first movies to actually speak on the politics of Vietnam. Not the politics of it. The fucking the recept the. Oh yeah, we just looked this up last week. It's a great Thanksgiving movie. That just has that fall autumn vibe of like it being cold, but it's not like snowing, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you could kind of cheat, maybe if you wanted. We're going for a hollow, like not Halloween vibes. Fall vibes is ho- not Halloween town. Hocus pocus because of the fucking like you could kind of get away way, with it. It is a Halloween movie, but it's yeah. like I see what you're saying because of the setting of it all. It gets you in the mood for like fall coming. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, Hocus yeah. Pocus is definitely because uh, that's a like oh yeah, fall is here and uh, that starts like the holiday. You feel the holiday. I just remembered coming. another one that was fall. That was like around the seventy. Uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. It's a uh, western movie, but it takes. It's not like it takes place in like Colorado, I think. So it's very like it looks like that kind of setting to where it's like trees and there's forests and it's. Did not- we say the ultimate Thanksgiving movie? If you want to cry. Jackie! Oh, Four Brothers. Bobby, help! Bobby! Four Brothers is probably the best one. Someone was telling me they didn't like Too Fast, Too Furious today. I was like, you're going to disrespect John Singleton like that? Some people in the world, man. Because when you think about it, the first Fast and Furious was great. But then John Singleton was like, I'm going to try to twist this, make it Miami. I'm not going to steal the L.A. vibe. Like, he, Too Fast, Too Furious is And he picked great. up Ludacris. And now Tyrese. We're at, now we're at Fast 9. John Singleton is the reason Tyrese. They're the reason why they're still there. They were, I just watched an Ice Cube interview, and he was talking about John Singleton. Now, mm-hmm. he met him when he was a junior in college. Mm-hmm. Then he was at UCLA, I USC, think. USC, probably. US, yeah, either USC. Because John Singleton went to USC. Okay, well, then it was USC. He was like, he was... He was a junior at USC, and he was like, I'm making this movie, man. I need you to be in. And he was like, yeah, man, whatever. Like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And he said, like, three years later, 
He said one day, John Singles, he saw him again at like some kind of pitch meeting or something. He was like, can you give me a ride home? And he was Ice Cube. He was like, I'm fucking Ice Cube. Like, mm. like all right, man, I guess I'll give you a ride. Mm. Then there was a year after that, he was in, uh, Ice Cube was doing a table read. And he walked in the room and he was like, oh, shit. He was like, I told you I was going to make this movie. <laughs> like, that's just like those types of stories again. Rest in peace, John Singleton, for real. For real. A lot like, of... A lot of black actors were hurt. When I he haven't died. seen Snowfall, his show that he wrote that's mm-hmm. being made now, I think, or last year it was made. Uh, fucking Taraji P. Henson loved him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what? Because he made Baby Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrese loved him. He Ice made Cube. he made Rosewood, that one western with Ving Rhames. Mm-hmm. And he did. I love Rosewood. My mom loves that movie. And uh, I can't think of all his movies right now, but I know he made Baby Boy, Too Fast, Too Furious, Boys in the Hood. He's a he's a master. Yeah. And uh, he's for the culture. He he integrates culture seamlessly. Seamlessly, he does it. And like, I just always respected the story of where he. Uh, oh, poetic justice. What are we talking about? Shaft. No. But um, but yeah, John Singleton, he's made some great fucking movies, and because Boys in the Hood was like game changing. And go up, is this his? I don't think this is director. Oh, this is acting. There we go. Oh, he made Higher Learning, <laughs> and he made a uh, abduction. Oh, higher Learning, boy, that's the reason why Michael Rappaport is who he is now. He made Michael Rappaport. Facts. That higher learning is the reason why Michael Rappaport can talk shit on Instagram. Abduction. I remember seeing the trailer for Abduction. I was like, I need to watch this. But I never saw it, and I heard it was bad. Because wasn't it just about... It's about him, like, he's adopted, but he's, like, his real parents are, like, something. And then they have to, uh, like, some people are after him. Because he wasn't supposed to be found. Something like that. Is that what it's about? Read the caption. It it doesn't look. A young man sets out to uncover the truth about his life after finding his baby photo on a missing person's website. Oh, shit. It's Taylor Lautner. That's why people didn't like it. It might be good as fuck. Yeah, I realized. (laughs) I was like, he's not a good actor at all. That's why you haven't seen him in, like... Anything. They say he got fat, too. Really? Yeah. Look up Taylor Lautner now. Right, right. Taylor Lautner 2021. I hope he's not fat. Actually, I do hope he That does. ruins his brand. I don't think he... It's depression, man. 2021. You don't need money after. Oh, he got a little weight. He I mean, he's not fat, fat but he doesn't They say look... he got fat. He ain't fat. He's just old now. He's just a grown man. Right. He looks like a normal person. Oh, he got a little double chin right there. That was probably just like at a bad time. Oh, that's probably edited, too. Yeah. When this Twilight looks is... more... Well, go, like yeah, go back to the that that's a meme. When Twilight is over, photo, so they they, that looks like it could be photoshopped. Yeah, it just looks like a grown man now. He's not fat. He just feels. He just out. looks more mature. He doesn't yeah, look like a he teenager. He just filled out in his face. But uh, I know he's just rich now. He doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, he don't care about shit, dog. You and me don't be people. They be forgetting. <laughs> like that's the point of getting rich. So you don't fucking see me no more. Yeah, bitch. I don't have to have a six pack yeah, no more. Like, like, fuck you, bitch. I don't gotta look good no more. Suck my dick. I'm rich. But, but ain't no such thing as an ugly billionaire. Facts. 
But yeah, John Singleton, Four Brothers. Go watch Four Brothers on Thanksgiving. You gotta watch Four Brothers today, guys. And then what else is there? Unless you don't want to be sad, then go watch Stomp the Yard. Stomp the Yard is. If you don't want to be sad, watch Stomp the Yard or ATL. I don't think I have Stomp the Yard to be honest. It's my daddy house. <laughs> and fucking uh, ne- uh, Neo. He's funny in it. He's got the you fucking, was just about to say Nelly, I was about to, I and always, now I want to watch the long, longest yard. Should that be a Thanksgiving movie? Because it's football. It could be. Yeah, that's true. Remember the That's so true. Yeah, Invincible. Invincible. Disney movie. Shout out Disney. That was the. That was when was Disney does do those off. Like you'd be like, you did that. That's <laughs> weird, but it's an inspirational movie. Yeah. They do those kind of like real, those real life ones. They'll do inspirational movies. That's invincible. It says the first Tobey Maguire's uh, Spider-Man. Hmm? The first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Oh, it was Thanksgiving. Remember he was sitting at the table with Harry and uh, MJ? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. He was at, it was that Thanksgiving dinner. New Thanksgiving. Yes. I love those shows where it's like you can pick all the Thanksgiving episodes and watch yes. them or all the Christmas episodes. Yes. Those are New great. New Girl is definitely one of those shows. And The Office. Oh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, the Wes Anderson movie. That's a, it's, a, it's stop motion, but it's pretty cool. It's like a kid-ish movie. It's on Disney+. Plus. I fuck with Disney+. Plus. Uh, it says Aliens, the second one. Why is that a Thanksgiving? I think there maybe there's like a scene where they're sitting around a table. I think that is kind of like they're eating together. A Harry lot Potter. In the movie. Harry Potter for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban. That's mm-hmm. turning into my favorite. That used to be my least favorite. What? Because I didn't. I told you I didn't like how it made, it made me feel. Oh. Like it made me feel cold. Like I was getting sick. Yeah. Because of how cold it is in that movie. That but movie is amazing. The tree is hilarious for some reason. It says the first smacking one. Smacking birds out the air. Why does it say? Is it called? Ooh. Is it the Sorcerer's Stone? Mm-hmm. It says right secrets. here the Philosopher's Stone. It's the same thing. Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone. But was it? Why is it called that though? It's probably some other version of. I think there's like two different. Uh, not books. I don't know if that was like the working title. I know that that's the same thing. I've heard both of those titles before. Isn't sorcerer? It has to be worked. Oh, like Harry Potter world. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sorcerer thing. Yeah, it's probably. I was like, it has. I remember hearing that all the time because the philosopher's stone is a real like legend. That's like a real myth. It's about uh. What it does in the book. It's about, uh, yeah, not, but it's more about like transmogrification. I can't think of the word I'm talking about. Uh, alchemy. That's the word I'm looking about, looking for. Alchemy, and alchemy has a lot to do with like. Dead Poet Society. That's a, bro, you wanna cry on Thanksgiving? Like, not really. <laughs> Jesus, right. Four Brothers is pushing it. That's like, all right, guys. Some action. It says mm-hmm. The Witch. You talking about with Black Phillip? Yeah. I mean, that's folkish. It's like folk. Yeah, like because there's pilgrims in it that makes it a fucking movie. I don't want to see Black Phillip. He's terrifying. 
<laughs> Coco. That's more Halloween. But fall. I guess autumnish. That could be uh, Thanksgiving, maybe. Moonrise Kingdom. The West I watched um, the ending of Coco the other day. Just the ending? Just the ending. Oh. That's like watching and just he hugs, the... And he hugs the grandma when she comes in. Just the ending of uh, fucking Marley and Me. Oh, like, Marley and Me. I remember sitting in my basement as a kid, tears streaming down my face. Because of fucking Marley and Me. I, don't even, where, I didn't even like dogs back then. I said, this is fucking terrible. Where the wild things are? Oh, a dog's purpose. I haven't seen it. I don't. I never want to see it. You will. You will fall. You will be bawling. I almost bawled something for Chevy today. Yeah. Where the wild things are, directed by Spike Jones. That's about it. Those are all the. There's not a Thanksgiving vibe. Uh, yeah, a lot of those are like. But for us, I think Stumpy Yard maybe isn't even. But like to us, it is. You know. Yeah, for y'all family. I always thought that was odd, but I was like, I'll watch it because I love the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's the songs. Yeah, and... Uh, it's probably because of the... Because of the vibe of fraternities. That's the vibe of, yeah. like... They're <gasps> of huge... Yeah, they're a huge family-oriented, like, come yeah. together, celebrate, take care of each other, let's work out together type. That's yeah, ATL. That's I think that fraternity. kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, ATL is uh, that's a weird one. Also, I was like, y'all got y'all got the weirdest Thanksgiving <laughs> movies, <laughs> and it's all black movies. I feel like mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Four brothers is anything a, family. Anything that has to do with family, really. Yeah. Four brothers, great. That's the ultimate. Because I mean, I could go on. We got to have a a four brothers podcast episode. Yeah. Because. Just of how great it is as a movie. And it still holds up. I don't know why it's like, it's not even hated on. It's just not a thing. It's not celebrated. It's not like, I think that's John Singleton's, I, I don't want to disrespect Boys in the Hood. You know yeah, Boys I mean? in the Hood, yeah. But I just say, don't disrespect Boys in the Hood. Because that, I, that is just, you can watch that anytime, any day, all the time. And it hits every time. Every time you're just like, oh. Because every time you think Ricky might get away, you've seen the movie 50 <laughs> million thousand times, and you think Ricky's going to, like, juke left or right, and he ain't going to get hit the same. Mm -hmm. Nah, man. And then he got hit the first time. I was like, Ricky, you should have just dropped when you first got hit. Mm -hmm. I like, play dead. That's what they always tell you. If you get shot, play dead. Yeah, the whole getting shot once. His football life died, and then getting shot twice, his whole life is gone. That's and the first thing you thought when the, he got hit in the I was knee. like, damn, he You're got like, hit in the legs, bro. Like, He's, that's it, that's He's it. never getting out. And then he got shot again. I was like, oh, they actually killed him. Yeah, and remember I told you the story about that dude when we were driving home? The dude he killed shot himself, Ricky? right? Yeah. That's crazy. I'm gonna, let's, I don't want to, that's weird to talk about, but this is one of those things that are like, Super weird, man. Just like how acting in a role can change you. Like, mm -hmm. isn't there like Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger went crazy. You know, like sometimes these roles, oh, and even like um, Angel from Kevin on stage from Here's the Thing, she was saying that because she's an actress, she said you guys have no idea. Like, there's some people mm -hmm. roles really take a toll on them. 
Like mm-hmm. Lakeith Stanfield, he had to go to uh, therapy after playing in Judas Black Messiah. Yeah. And even uh, Florence Pugh, when she was in Midsommar, mm-hmm. she was like making Little Women after. Yeah. She was like, that was like therapy. She was like, I needed to make that movie because making Midsommar fucked me up. Yeah. So I made Little... She started uh, filming for Little Women uh, like a, a couple weeks after making Midsommar. And so being on set of Little Women was so, like, like wholesome. And she was like, I needed that, like, positivity around me because after making a cult horror movie was, like, too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they're in Sweden. And, um... Uh, but yeah, even fucking what's his name? Heath Ledger went he was too far gone. He mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. died in his own hotel room. And 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 That's how I don't understand how Joaquin Phoenix is still a, like a person. Cuz the roles he plays are so like they're way too much, dude, to take yeah. in, to really take in the concept of all of Joaquin Phoenix's characters. Even when Joaquin Phoenix played himself in that one movie I'm still here. Yeah. When he played a radical version of himself of like who he truly wanted to be because it's basically like he would there's a interview on YouTube that you can look up where it's like Joaquin Phoenix uh and on David Letterman in 2009. I remember watching that movie or that video on YouTube in like 2018. And I that moved that for some reason that interview was so like inspirational to me because it's like about being yourself unapologetically yeah. and that and i'm obsessed with that idea and that's why i love larry david mm-hmm. and that's why i love uh fucking lil duval just everybody that's just themselves them. all the time is what i try to be you know what i mean Definitely. like not giving a fuck about about what people think about how people say shit to me or whatever like i don't really care like if you disagree with me or if you make fun of me like i don't fucking give a shit like why are you wasting your time like mm-hmm like st- like people trying to bag on her try to bag on cardi b for being a stripper it's like bitch i don't dance now i make money moves yeah. like uh this dude the guy we we're talking about who shot ricky that's what i was looking up was uh his name was Lloyd Avery the second, and I, he he kind of fell off after he was in Poetic Justice, and they said I remember the thing that I read said he was doing some shit in between there, kind of like struggling as an actor and trying to make it. Yeah. But then after he shot his last film, shot, he went and because he was a gangster in that movie, shot. Mm-hmm. Avery was arrested and charged with a double homicide for which he was sentenced to life imprisonment. At Pelican Bay, damn. He died on September 4, 2005 in Crescent City, California after being beaten and strangled to death by his cellmate. R.I.P. to Lloyd Avery II. R.I.P., man. That's crazy. Ricky. If you guys, Pelican had, I, Bay. Looked, I saw it, it was like a documentary on, it's like a what happened to them type yeah. of style shit. And it was, I watched his, I just saw it like in my recommended for you. I was like, I know that dude. That's insane. And I was like, holy fucking damn. It like, just got dark. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was, it's, cause he's familiar. You would think maybe he's like sitting around chilling. Like, like doing acting. some little like, shit. No, like, no, he just, the role really took, like, this is who he became. The guy mm-hmm. you see. 
in Boys in the Hood. I thought it was Chris Tucker. Yeah, everybody <laughs> did. Like, oh, Chris Tucker out there busting that niggas. <laughs> yeah, I remember this movie when it came out shot. It was a super B movie. Like, terrible. Andy had it on DVD and we watched it. I was like, this movie. Is That's when people trash. just wanted to make people, uh, black people being criminals. Yeah. <laughs> They them, everybody was following the hood movie thing after uh after, after Rockefeller did Paid in Full. Mm-hmm. And like Belly and shit mm-hmm. like that. Like it all after the success of those movies, everyone's like, okay, let's everybody do that now. Yeah, that's sad. Rest in peace, Lord Every the second, man. Damn, yeah, be in, in fucking Pelican Bay. Y'all would be playing basketball in Pelican Bay <laughs> if it wasn't for me. Oh. <laughs> You motherfuckers, <laughs> the dude. I, I training day is so good. All right, I'm, we're not. Should we end it? Yeah, we had an hour and a half. I think the energy is. We're, at, it's we're starting to. We're on our down. Yeah, it's midnight. My voice is kind of gone too. My my throat is dry. But uh, next week, what are we? What should we do next week? What do you think? It's gonna be December. Uh, any ideas, guys? Mm. Did you, should we do a, a Christmas? Like, you got to do it all month, essentially. Christmas is an all-month thing. Christmas. And I was talking to Mena before we got here. We got to do the year-end best top ten, mm-hmm. whatever. And Hard Day Fall is going to be in there. You know that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Dude. Hard Day Fall is going to be in there for sure. Off the, off the top of my head, Hard Day Fall, Teton. Oh, shout out to, did you listen to the new Tiger Belly? Yes. I heard them they, talking about it. They were it. talking about it. I was like, thank God they're talking about it so they can have more people watch it. Mm-hmm. Because this thing, greatest, the, that's... I've heard Bobby Lee talk about and uh, Charlie Kaufman before. He loves him, too. Mm-hmm. You have, and Bobby have a very similar taste I, in movies. Dude, the it's more like I, crazy. Whenever Every I, time hear I hear him talk about stuff. it, like the, I realized that when he talked about... I said this before. When he talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. When he said Masterpiece, his best movie, I was like, he sees and Andrew, it. And Andrew or Santino thought it was like... He was like, I didn't He was like, out. what the fuck? Like, no, it's not like whatever. And I was, he was like, like, ah, yes, there it goes. He was like, better than Pulp Fiction? But... Fucking once upon a time in Hollywood is number one best Tarantino movie. <laughs> Matt, like, like Bobby said, masterpiece, greatest movie. It's one of those movies. Tarantino's still one of them people who makes movies, and I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh or not. Mm-hmm. Because I was dying laughing at Teton, once upon a time in Hollywood. When they were talking about Teton, it's one of those movies too, where like it's a very. They were talking about Tiger Belly too. They were like, it's beyond fucked up. But like, there's parts of it where it's like, do I laugh right? Like, should I be laughing? Whatever. Like, right. where can you watch it at? Uh, I saw it on Amazon. It's like the in theater rental. Like, mm-hmm. you gotta pay like twenty dollars to rent it. It's like, what the? Like, just go to the fucking movies. Yeah, I I saw it the night it came out on the Thursday night, mm-hmm. and I remember I saw it with my one of my friends, and we left the theater, and we were like, um. What the fuck was that? Like, it was crazy. It blew my mind. And there's still, I've only seen it once, but there's still parts that replay in my head. I'm just like, oh my God, that's crazy. But her first movie, the girl who directed it, the girl who directed it, her name is um, Julia Ducarno. And she made this movie called Raw, her first movie. And that's on Netflix. And I remember, if you're listening to this, this is the end of the podcast. If you got this far, go watch Raw on netflix 
and then go see Teton. Like, you kind of got to watch both her. She's only made two movies, but in my review for Raw I, on Letterboxd, I said, Julia Ducarneau knows exactly what she's doing. Like, she is the future, like, of not only the horror genre, but just visually and, like, pacing-wise, editing, like, that... She knows, like, I, the only way I could explain is she knows exactly what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just, she's a master already. You know what surprised me that Bobby said is that he loved Malignant. And oh, actually yeah, he didn't did surprise me because I was like, we told, we said that about, like, Nate would like the shots in there. Yeah. I think Bobby said the same. He liked the way that it was. It looks, it looks cool. Yeah. That's why I, that was, like I said, that's the only part I like about it. That opening scene yeah. where every shot was perfect, I yeah. thought. And then after that. The fact that, that he said he liked the story, I was like, you guys. Yeah, I was like, like, I don't know. I was like, that's pretty. But he said that. He was like, after the opening credits and it's called Malignant, we were like, oh. oh and, and, I, I, and they thought that was cool. And I, <laughs> we thought that was stupid. We I were was like, like, you, you just, just ruined the fucking movie. But yeah, I think that's what f- we'll forever do on this podcast is just yeah. trash Malignant yeah, because of it. It would always be brought up because you got us hyped up. We were so excited for it. Mm-hmm. This was the James Wan return. I stayed it's... up till midnight that night to watch it. Mendes. <laughs> You were just dozing off right now. Boo. Okay. We're All right, done. Titan, go watch it. Raw, go watch it. Uh, next week, we'll probably be talking about December movies. Um, and that's it, right? Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, peace out. Later.